This week, we are diving into an extremely heated divorce, which ended in a wild court case. Two weeks ago, we covered Dahlia DiPolito, last week, Evelyn Bowl, and now this week... Diana Lovejoy. If you have listened to the previous episodes, you might be able to take a good guess at what unfolds between Diana and her previous husband. Today, we will have a look at the lies, deceit, YouTube, plotting, evidence, and drama in another truly shocking case. Let's talk true crime. Welcome to Hell Now, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. I seem to have a Black Widow trend going on at the moment because this case is hauntingly similar to the last two cases I covered. So let's get into it. Diana graduated from the University of California with a Bachelor of Arts in both literature and writing, but fitness was her true passion. There's not really much out there on the early days of Diana Lovejoy and Greg Mulvihill. We do know that they married in 2007 and that possibly before marriage, they had been together two years after meeting on a dating site and having a lot in common. They seem to really hit it off. These details do seem to vary depending on which source you look at. Greg was a computer programmer, and Diana worked as a technical writer for some big-name companies and also did freelance writing and copywriting. But like I said, her true passion was fitness, and after marrying Greg, she became a fitness and personal trainer. I'm talking triathlons and training people to do triathlons and also strength training. She was very very athletic. She also made YouTube videos about eating healthy when you're busy. I found her channel on YouTube and I will play a clip of that at the end once we cover everything we're going to cover. Greg and Diana, they wanted to start a family, but this was proving to be a journey filled with heartache and sadness and it just was not going well at all. Diana, unfortunately, had many miscarriages. I mean, one would be devastating and a traumatic blow. But Diana, it was reported that she suffered eight. They persevered and eventually got a beautiful, healthy baby boy in 2012. Diana then became a dedicated full-time mother. And I guess as a little side job, a little side hustle, she still did some uh, freelance writing. So she would still be bringing in some money and maybe just fill some time in her evenings doing what she was good at. Things didn't get better, though, after the baby was born. It seemed to get worse. The couple grew distant. Uh, and and this distance seemed to be getting this distance between them seemed to be getting bigger and bigger. Diana and Greg, they were both making good money. They owned that the house that they were living in in Carlsbad, California. They had a son now, but in 2014, everything changed. Greg, he became unemployed, which meant Diana had to solely provide for the family financially. This must have even furthered that gap that was happening between them and just 
this could have been another riff among many riffs between them. And this actually led to Diana filing for divorce. With this file for divorce also came along with it a shocking claim. She said that Greg had been sexually abusing their child and she needed a divorce. Immediately, she was given full custody while an investigation took place. Greg was allowed to see their son, but only supervised and only for a couple hours a week. This investigation into the claims that she made about Greg sexually abusing their son, this was taken very seriously. And it took two years of investigating. This went through many professionals, many mental health people, counselors, psychologists. This was this was looked into very, very thoroughly. And after two years, the claim was found to be untrue. There wasn't a, a shred of evidence that any of this had ever taken place. In 2016, things again took a turn and Greg and Diana, they were court ordered to share custody. Custody battles we all know can get very ugly, but this one gets particularly out of hand. Also, since Diana got to keep the house in the divorce, she was now ordered to pay Greg $120,000 in what I'm assuming to be his half of the house. Maybe they're splitting up their assets and she gets to keep the house, but he still gets his half in, in payment form. That same year, Diana filed for divorce. She also went back to writing as a means to make money. Greg had lost his job. She's divorcing her husband. She needed to start working again. And this seemed to pay her very well. And some sources said up to $10,000 a month she was making doing this tech writing, freelance writing. Uh, so she was able to pay Greg for his half of the home, but I don't think she was very happy about it. There was some other stuff going on, though. So back in 2015, when the divorce and the accusations were in full swing, Diana, she took up a hobby. And this hobby involved guns and learning how to shoot them. Okay, she became interested in guns. During this time, she met a shooting instructor named Weldon McDavid. Despite he himself being married, he and Diana engaged in a sexual relationship, something Weldon truly regrets later. Diana also confided in Weldon about her terrible ex-husband and the messy divorce and the custody battle she was in. Apparently, Weldon had a bit of a reputation for helping women out of not such good relationships and apparently this was this was well known about Weldon maybe that was with that's how her sudden interest in shooting guns and learning how to shoot guns came from one day Diana pitched the idea of murdering Greg I don't know exactly how she brought it up but she did maybe it started off as a joke or Maybe she was crying in frustration. Either way, she got it into her head that if Greg was dead, then her life would be easier. But she needed someone to help her. She wasn't willing to do the dirty work herself, though. And that's why she asked Weldon to do it for her, even offered to pay him. So I read that she offered him $2,000 to kill Greg. And that seems like an incredibly low offer for such a high-risk task. 
That seems very low. That's less than a week wage for her at this point, I believe. So whatever the offer was, unfortunately, Weldon jumped on board and the plotting began. We don't know what Diana told Weldon to get him to jump on board. It's possible she told him all about the sexual assault allegations uh, that she had alleged against Greg towards her infant son and herself. We don't know the picture that she painted to Weldon about Greg. She could have absolutely portrayed him as this abusive, violent monster. And perhaps Weldon thought that he would be doing a service to help a woman in need. The plan they hatched involved a phone call, a secluded dark area, Weldon hiding with a gun and a bag of evidence that may or may not have existed. So September 1st, 2016, Greg's cell phone rings. When he answers it, the man on the other end of the call says, hey, I'm a private investigator and I've got some evidence pertaining to your divorce and custody battle that you might want to buy. So whether the man on the phone is saying, hey, I got evidence that could work against you or I've got evidence that could work for you, I'm not 100% sure. But Greg, he's intrigued. He is very curious as to what this evidence is. So the caller gives him a meeting place. The caller wanted Greg to go to this place that night, which, I mean, it was already around 10.30 p.m. when he got the call, so it was pretty late. The caller told him that he will leave a bag in a certain spot, and Greg is to look through whatever evidence is in that bag, and if he wanted the full evidence, if he wanted everything, then he would accept payment, and he would hand over all of the evidence that he had to Greg. Greg was very curious, but also, rightfully so, suspicious. So he brought his friend with him that night. They drive out to this dirt pathway, and it's away from town. They get out, and they start walking around, and it's just before midnight now at this time. Greg did bring a flashlight with him to look for this bag of incriminating or non-incriminating, whatever evidence there was out there. And as he's looking around with his light, he's shining it all around. He's like, what's going on? Whoa, those bushes are moving. And then he focuses in on this bush. And when he gets a good look and his eyes kind of adjust and he sees what's moving in the bush, he can see it's someone. There's a person in this bush and they're laying down sniper style and he sees a gun and it's pointed right at him. So Greg or either Greg or his friend, they yell gun and they started to flee the scene. They wanted to get out of there. They're running away from the area. And just how scary would that be? You're in a dark, secluded spot. You're shining your light around and it focuses on a bush and then you see a gun pointed right at your face. Terrifying. So they run away and then shots just start raining out after them. Just boom, 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 like crazy. One of these shots manages to hit Greg and it takes him down. Luckily, 
he brought that friend with him because it was his friend who called emergency services. So his friend was not shot and he was able to assist Greg. It wasn't looking good for Greg, though. He was losing a lot of blood. And his friend is pleading with the emergency service operator on the phone to send help immediately. He is very concerned, and the operator is trying to calm him down. Yet we've got somebody coming out there. Don't worry. And Greg's friend is like, he's he's looking really faint he's looking really bad he's looking like he's gonna pass out they're like you know we gotcha we'll be there anytime so while all this is happening thankfully the gunman just runs away he doesn't approach them and and finishes whatever he's doing he runs away which i mean that's probably the best outcome you could have here is for the crazy man with a gun to just get away from them because he could have easily walked up with that gun and just shot them both in the head at that point. So Greg, he is rushed to hospital and they find that the bullet had just missed his heart. And if they act swiftly and they get him into surgery, then he might be able to survive. So they put him into surgery, they do everything they can, and he does. He does survive. While all this is happening, police go to give Diana the bad news, or at least what they thought would have been bad news for Diana. And this is around 3 a.m. at this time now. So it was just before midnight. Greg had got shot by 3 a.m. He's been rushed to hospital. Police are now investigating, and their first stop is Diana's house. So police say they told Diana that Greg had been shot, and she didn't seem distressed or even upset. They described her attitude as giggly. Yeah, she was apparently giggling at this news, and I don't know if she knows this, but that's a huge red flag for investigators. Police think, okay, that's weird, but let's go see what Greg has to say. Why was Greg out there? What 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 was he doing out there that led him to be shot? What's going on here? Let's get Greg's story. Investigators get to the hospital after Greg is out of surgery and they ask him, hey, why were you out in that secluded dark area? And Greg tells them all about the phone call and police they seem to know exactly what's going on. There was never a bag of evidence. There was never a private investigator. But if there was never a private investigator, then who called Greg? And I'm sure you have all pieced this together. It's not very, it's not very hard to piece this one together. So police, they know where to start. It didn't take long for them to discover that Greg and Diana were having a divorce and custody battle which is going to make her the main suspect. She is the person in his life who hates him the most right now. Police want to know who made that call to Greg that night because whoever made that call knew the plan or maybe even was the shooter. So they know the number, but who bought the phone? They're already sus on Diana. So they're kind of revolving all of this around her at the moment and they're going to look at her moves within the last few days. So I don't know how exactly police did it, but they discovered that Diana had recently purchased a burner phone and they even managed to get store security footage of her buying it. My guess is that police saw the purchase on her bank records or maybe they were checking out her her stories. Maybe she had told them everything she had done a week leading up to this event and that included going shopping. So maybe they tracked down the surveillance f- surveillance footage, sorry, of the stores 
that she had been to, to to check that she was telling the truth. Either way, they linked Diana to this burner phone, to the number that called Greg. But Greg said it was a male voice on the phone. So how do they find out who the caller was? Well, uh, Diana handed that information over on a silver platter. Oh, yeah, she rolled quick. She said, yep, I bought that phone for Weldon McDavid because he and I were just trying to scare my husband by shooting at him that night. Whoa, 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 whoa. The investigators were probably texting their families like, just wrapping up a case, be home soon, because that's how quickly they were about to wrap this case up. Diana admitted that her and Weldon did in fact set that entire thing up, but claims nobody was supposed to be hurt. So this is the defense she's going with. She only wanted full custody of her children, and she thought this would scare Greg into giving her that and she even admits her and weldon had sex she is telling police everything now police bring in weldon to be interviewed this has to be the quickest the quickest investigation Uh, so they bring in weldon and this is where the dna evidence comes into play and i gotta tell you this is a first on this podcast talking about this type of DNA evidence found at a scene, okay? I know it's not unheard of, but this is the first case that I have covered where this DNA evidence is used to really cement it all together. So Weldon, he has no idea that Diana has offered police all the information that she has. He has no idea that police know he was in on it. He has no idea police know that he knows Diana even. During the interrogation, he denies knowing Diana. He denies ever being at that secluded area that Greg was lured to. He also denies police to look at his phone to prove his alibi the night of the shooting. He denies everything. They're like, where were you the night of the shooting? And he's like, I was at home. And they're like, give us your phone so we can check that you were where you say you were. So maybe they were going to use, I don't know, the GPS on it or whatever, just to say, okay, at 1130, September 1st, you were at your house. And he's like, no, you can't look at my phone. And they're like, why won't you let us look at your phone if you're innocent? And that's the one thing that can prove it so this goes back and forth for a while then then this is where it gets interesting then police drop a little hint saying you know dna yeah that stuff well it doesn't just drop out of the sky onto a crime scene if it's there it's usually because you were there a person has to physically put their dna places usually usually and well then he starts to change his tune And he looks at the location images and he says, he he kind of gets really quiet at this point. He's like, oh, yeah, maybe I have been there. I don't know. I don't know what's there. Maybe I've been there. After a bit more convincing, he tells police, oh, (laughs) duh, that's right. I think I've jogged there before. And police ask him, okay, so you have been there jogging. And the one officer, he's like, oh, that makes sense then. (laughs) It's so funny. He's like, oh, that's, I don't know, so funny how the one 
police officer when Weldon's like, yeah, I think I've jogged there before. The one officer is just glaring at Weldon and the other officer is playing the good cop is like, oh, that's it then. That's okay. We've just figured it out. So police ask him, okay, so you've been jogging there. Well, when you were there, did you do anything? Did anything happen? What what happened when you were jogging there? And Weldon says, oh, I I took a shit there. Yeah, that's right. He said he was running along the road, jogging, and he really had to go. So he just let her rip right then and there, right in the grass near this dirt road. Okay. Okay. I mean, we have all heard of joggers needing emergency bathroom breaks. This story could check out, except there's more. There's more to this story that police don't really give him immediately, but he probably should have clued in because he's the one that took a shit there. So police then ask Weldon, well, did you, did you wipe with anything? And Weldon says, oh, yeah, actually I found a towel there and I used that. And police are like, oh, really? You found a towel that was already there? And Weldon says, yep, yeah, that's a true story that I'm telling you. I took a shit and I found a towel and I shit on the towel. Anyways, it's just, okay. So what Weldon doesn't know is that police have linked those towels back to belonging to Diana because she has half of the other set at her house and they're pretty unique looking towels. They look like they were green velvet, not your everyday Walmart towels, I would assume. These look like luxury towels and they did link these directly to Diana. So I don't know if they just used hey, this is the other half of her set. They probably could have linked it if there was maybe a serial code or like a barcode on them or the fibers. Anyways, they 100% linked these towels back to Diana. They were very unique towels, so I reckon it wouldn't have been too hard. And they did find half of the other set in her home. Yep, that's right. Not only did he shit at the crime scene, leaving tons of of DNA. He also ties Diana to the scene by using towels from her house. I mean, the evidence in this case, it is hilarious, but also so strong. So here's Weldon saying he doesn't know Diana and police are like, okay, I guess it's just a coincidence that We found your DNA on her towels at the crime scene where her husband was shot. Also, P.S. Charity told us you knew. You know each other. (laughs) There is, there's more though. Okay, there is more. Police search Weldon's home and guess what they find? Yeah, they find the gun used to shoot Greg and the bullets for the gun, which sure sure they could have easily matched with the bullet that shot greg or maybe even bullets they found at the scene it's just a freaking jackpot now this this is an investigation this is hard evidence the gun was stashed okay so even to make this even more incriminating the gun was stashed in a hiding spot 
in the rafters of Weldon's home. So yeah, that looks pretty guilty. He should have just stored it in its regular spot or in the gun case because hiding it looks even worse when you're trying to argue your innocence in court. So even if his defense was like, yeah, he had the same gun and the same bullet, what's it what's it to you? And they'll be like, well, why did he wrap it up and hide it in the rafters? You know, like it's just, it looks worse. It looks worse. Diana and Weldon, they are arrested pretty, pretty quickly. And they are both charged with attempted murder, given the strong evidence against them. Let's talk about the court case now, because Weldon and Diana They plotted and they schemed together, so they were both tried together. So this was like a dual, a dual court case. Everything I went over, that gets brought up in court, going all the way back to the divorce and the accusations of child sexual abuse, and Diana even claims that Greg had uh, sexually assaulted her as well as their infant son. Okay, they go over the cell phone that Diana bought the burner phone that Weldon used to call Greg. They go over the poop towel. They go over everything, okay? And Weldon's defense, it was confusing to me, and I felt like his his lawyer, I guess, couldn't really pick a lane, so he tried to take two roads. The first was that he never meant to hurt anyone, only scare Greg, and that he didn't shoot at Greg, he shot in the air six times. Okay, so how did Greg get hit then? Anyways, his second was that he shot Greg in self-defense. Yeah. And he also claimed that if he wanted to kill Greg, he would have because he's such a good shot. Okay, now is not the time, Weldon. Now, you're, no. Your day in court is not the time to tell people how skilled you are at shooting people when you're up on attempted murder charges for somebody you've shot. You know, it doesn't seem like a good idea. And I mean, if we look at this, the bullet did go very near Greg's heart and it was very dark out and Greg was running. So to me, it seems like he was shooting to kill, but there were a lot of elements stopping him from getting that perfect shot. And also... Which one is it, Weldon? Which one is it? Were you shooting in the air or was he shooting to defend himself? And if he was defending himself, then from what? Greg didn't have a weapon. He didn't even approach him. He didn't even get near him. I don't even think he said anything to him. I think they saw someone in the bush, yelled gun and ran away. At what point do you need to defend yourself? The defense also paints a horrible picture of Greg, saying that he was a monster and he was accused of sexually abusing a baby and basically getting it that Diana was desperate and in need of help in any way she could get it. And she resorted to this scaring him away tactic that ended up with him being shot. Okay, that didn't fly, though, because there was never any evidence that Greg ever did any sexual assaults on either his infant son or Diana. Granted, it can be hard to prove that, but the list of steps taken to investigate that claim was very long. It involved a lot of professionals and it took over two years. It was not taken lightly at all and every step was taken along the way 
to try and prove it with no avail, nothing, not a stitch of supporting evidence. Also, it's been many years now, and nothing has ever come out against Greg in relation to sexual assault or pedophilia. And I think it's safe to say that offenders, they don't just stop. So that leads me to believe, along with investigators, investigators strongly believe this, he's been found innocent of these accusations, that Diana's claims were not truthful. And they believe that her motive to say these horrible things and accuse Greg of these horrible things was to get the divorce and to get full custody of her child. So the jury, they're listening. They're sitting in their jury box and they're listening. They're taking all of this in, all the evidence, and also everything that the defense has to say and everything that the prosecution has to say. And when the verdict is being read, so it's time for the verdict, the the jury has been well-educated on this case. I think this was a, a two-week trial. The One of the jurors gets up to read the verdict, and she begins with Diana. And as the verdict is being read, Diana is shocked when they start with her and say that they find her guilty of conspiracy to commit murder and attempted murder. Her eyes nearly popped out of her head and she is glaring at her lawyer and her lawyer's not even looking at her he's just looking straight ahead and she is she looks like a deer in headlights but pissed off she looks like an angry deer in headlights and as that information is sinking in the jury starts to read the verdict about weldon and then all of a sudden Diana wants to play light as a feather, stiff as a board. And she leans forward as she's like passing out. She hits her head on the desk. Everybody hears this whack. She creates a a scene. She leans back in her seat as if doing a plank with her eyes opened. And she's got this like shocked look on her face. And it just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very odd. It's very odd to me how her body is in this unconscious state an ambulance has to put her on a stretcher and wheel her out of the courtroom to the hospital while she's being wheeled out her eyes are now closed and it looks like she's sleeping but she still appears very rigid she's not really jiggling around on the on the board they're carrying her out on And I mean, it's just, it's very odd looking to me. I don't know. And I kind of feel like she wasn't truly unconscious. Yeah. I'm not the only one who thinks that either. So it has been said that Diana faked this scene. And honestly, it looks really staged. I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but I think unconscious people are usually quite placid and have relaxed muscles but she's just over there planking and it wasn't a seizure or anything like that that i could understand if she was looking quite rigid and really tense muscles but the doctor who saw two diana was like oh i guess she must have fainted but then you just think i i don't know just go ahead and google diana lovejoy passes out in court and just watch it is odd it's just so odd 
But Weldon, so going back to Weldon's verdict, he was also found guilty for the same crimes. During the sentencing hearing in 2018, Diana pleads that Greg was so horrible to her and and their son still claiming sexual abuse, still claiming this was real and that she saw her husband molesting their baby. And she's crying. Oh, she is crying, except if you look... There's no tears. Her eyes don't look watery. It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't It doesn't fit with someone who's actually crying. And at one point, she looks directly into the camera as she is doing this tearless, dry cry. And it's almost comical. It's comical and terrifying at the same time. There's just something about her. She's so stiff. She's almost inhuman. The way she holds her body and her movements, just so, so stiff. I will play a clip of her YouTube video soon. And from that, you might hear what I'm getting at because you can even hear this rigidness in her voice. I, I don't know any other way to explain it. Weldon, he also gets dramatic in his final words before the sentences are handed down, claiming he would never take a father away from you know, that that father's son, because when he was 24, his father died and he never got over it. And I started thinking, was he talking about his murder at- attempt on Greg, like pleading with the jury? I would never take Greg away from his his son. I This was an attempted murder, whatever, whatever. Or was he kind of cryptically saying like hey don't put me behind bars because i've just had a son i'm not sure because he did weldon had had a little boy at that like an infant son at this time to his wife by the way we'll talk about that later the judge listens to both weldon and diana and it is clear that their words have no impact on the sentences he's about to hand down because he gives a 26 years to life sentence to Diana and a 50 year to life sentence for Weldon. So wow, Weldon got he got he got double what Diana got really. I guess he was the one with the gun who did the shooting and Diana did the conspiring. So in the end, they both went to jail. Greg got full custody of he and Diana's son. And then later, Weldon tells Dateline that he regrets. Okay, so this this is his regret. Okay, what do you think your regret would be in this case? Well, Weldon says that his biggest regret was sleeping with Diana because he had a wife he loved and a new, like a newborn baby boy at home with his wife when he slept with Diana. According to an article published by People, if he could do one thing differently, it would be to not sleep with Diana when he was asked, yeah, but, but what about shooting Greg? And, and he says, basically, he reiterates, if I could do one thing differently it would be not to sleep with diana you know it wasn't the thing that's got him in prison right now for the rest of his life no he still said he would change having a sexual encounter with diana lovejoy yep so i feel like i feel like that says it all he would rather keep his attempted murder charge and spend the rest of his life in prison 
rather, you know, he would rather keep that and uh, take away, take away the moment he slept with Diana. <laughs> Crazy. Okay, now I'm going to play a video. It is time. Now is time. I'm going to play a clip. I'm just going to play a clip. I think it's like a two minute something video. I'm going to play a little bit of this just so you can hear Diana. So this movie, this movie, this home cooking video, this was posted about 15 years ago when she was doing her healthy cooking channel. <laughs> then I'm going to read some of the comments. I'm Diana Lovejoy and quick meals are my specialty. I know that you don't have all day. We've got malice to feed. Welcome to my kitchen, where I really like to cook, but I'm often short on time, so speed is the hook. Okay, that's enough. That's enough of that. If you want to watch the full video, it is <laughs> it is the last link in my show notes. You'll notice she was rhyming and all. I do encourage you to go watch it. She looks so uncomfortable, so rigid. She just reminds me of an alien in human skin that's been put on Earth and it's like, be a human. And she just moves so robotic and it, okay. Now let's read some of the comments. So I did not anticipate this. I found this video. I was like, oh, wow. Oh my goodness. I actually found the video. Then I scrolled down. Then I scrolled down. First comment. I bet this is a killer meal. Okay, second comment. This meal isn't really that quick. I've heard it actually takes between 26 years to life to make. Um, and these comments just go on and on. I'll read a few more. I've been told her meals are a real hit, comma, man. Absolutely killer instructions, Diana. Thanks. Another comment says, Diana's prison tomato bisque recipe and then it gives a a mock recipe there another one says man this looks like a meal to die for another comment says i subscribe so in 26 years i can see more quick recipes <laughs> another one says you're not short on time anymore honey you've got all the time in the world to think about that recipe now Another comment, damn, this meal is bound to be a hit. <laughs> okay, I'm going to end the comments there. If you want to read more, they literally go on and on and on and on. This video has had over 120,000 views. There is a lot of comments and yeah, the, go check it out if you've got time to look at that. So that's where I'm going to end it here. If you want to follow the this True Crime podcast, you know, the one you're listening to right now, <laughs> you can find us on TikTok or Instagram at hell no underscore a true crime podcast. If you are listening on Apple podcast or Spotify, please take a moment and give a five star rating. You know, if you've got a moment that really helps the podcast grow. That's it. So thanks for listening and see you next week. <laughs>